make connections to make the world a better place. I like being behind the scenes and really pushing people to the forefront and supporting them. So I think that's a lot where I, what I've learned from my dad. But because I had a child, it really forced me to think not only about um, her, but like what kind of life do I actually want to create for her? I think being a successful parent is, you know, showing, you know, patience, showing love. I mean, I would not be a connector if I uh, hadn't had my kid. Hey guys, I'm Young, a full-time dad and a full-time professional with the goal to become the best parent possible. The Girl Dad Show is my journey interviewing fellow working parents aspiring to be both good at work and parenting. I'm going to do this by gathering and sharing unfiltered perspectives from my guests. So join me as I research parenthood one interview at a time. Today's episode of The Girl Dad Show is sponsored by something I'm very passionate about. Coffee. Blue Jean Coffee brings sophisticated coffee brewing straight into your home, delivering an elevated coffee experience all without having to make a trip to a cafe. They source their specialty beans directly from farmers all around the world and roast them in small batches just for your order. Are you ready to upgrade your home brewing experience? Blue Jean Coffee is offering a special deal just for my listeners. Visit bluejeancoffee.com forward slash TGDS to get 10% off your first order of Blue Jean Coffee. Oh, yeah. That's a good coffee. Awesome. Weston, thank you so much for joining me today on my podcast. I'm really glad to have you on. My pleasure. I'm excited to be here. Well, thank you for taking the time. Let's jump right into it. So what do you do for a living? So I tell people it gets a little confusing. I wear three hats. So I say I'm a connector, a producer, and a community builder. So connector means I basically do freelance business development, but a lot of it entails just introducing my friends to do business with one another. I'm a producer. I do television and film development work and some animation. And a community builder, I love hosting events and bringing people together. So I host a weekly founders, investor, connector meetup here in Austin, Texas, and then also do events at Sundance. Just got back from doing an event in the Hamptons, going to be doing Art Basel. So just bring in people together around uh, t- good topics and good people. Oh, wow. I love it. So it sounds like you do yeah. a lot of things, but they're all somewhat interlinked around kind of like community and people, it sounds like. Yep. Yeah, the one thing I found throughout my career, so I've been in Austin the last 17 years, and I work, I was in many different uh, jobs from politics, government, to community building, uh, to working for a creative agency. And the, the, the thread that I found was I love people, and I love connecting people. And thankfully, I had some mentors in my life that said, Weston, that could be your job. So four and a half years ago, I just started connecting and making it my career. Oh, talk to me about that. So how did you do that? Because I think everyone would say, I mean, not everyone, but a lot of people would say that they would love to connect people for a living. How did you orchestrate that and design that? Yeah. So I think the big reason why I am doing what I'm doing today is just like my upbringing. So I grew up, I'm a son of a preacher and growing up, we moved a lot. I think we moved eight or nine times growing up. So I was always the new kid. And I always didn't want to be uh, the one sitting alone at the cafeteria table all the time. So I had to figure out ways to connect with folks um, on a deeper level. So I was constantly listening and asking questions. And even through my career, I just found like that was what my sweet spot was. So if I was a project manager, I just would get bored with that. But I loved 
helping you know the business team talk to the developers and designers and help communicate with one another. And that's kind of how I ended up in this position where like literally I just help connect the dots for both brands, tech companies, and then with TV and film, it's literally bringing on strategic partners and making sure that the relationships really fit well. Wow, that's awesome. You're, yeah. I feel like you're oversimplifying it because it can't be that easy, right? <laughs> well, I see. I would say this. Um, you know, the, the biggest thing for being a connector that I found is the best connectors are those that are uh, give first mentality, abundant minded. Just like the, I don't know if you ever read the book from Keith Ferrazzi, Never Eat Alone. Just like really thinking how you can put good in the world before you ask for something. And so I think that tied with, I really do listen a lot. Usually when I'm in a room full of people, I'm not the one talking, I'm the one listening because I'm trying to think, how can I help this person based off what they're telling me? And then also some key points of their personality, you know, their behavior, how they work and knowing, man, a better match instead of just this person can do X, Y, or Z. I know the perfect person where they're going to have a lasting relationship. So really listening and then asking those questions to get through the surface is kind of where I found that connectors um, really can be successful because there are a lot of folks that call themselves connectors, but they're really salespeople. You know, they might just know a lot of people, but I would say real connectors are those that listen, give first, abundant minded and ask questions. Yeah, no, I'm to be fully transparent here. I actually just heard about this role and this type of uh, position or this kind of job uh, just a couple of years ago. And I'm like, that's a job. And you literally just hang out and talk to people and then you yeah. just match people up. You're like a professional matchmaker. And I didn't you know that yeah. thing even existed. And um, I just realized that people are doing this very, very uh, lucratively um, just a couple of years ago. And so I actually, um, I'm probably representative of many, many people that don't even know that this is something that you can pursue as a career. And um, I think it's really, really important. Yeah, I never knew until about five years ago, um, I met a guy that had been doing it for about four years and he kind of took me under his wing and mentored me on how to actually uh, monetize it. Because I, I think that's the other thing too, is a lot of folks like will try to monetize too early and I probably only, uh, you know, make something off my connections, maybe 10 to 15% of the time. The rest of the time, I'm truly trying to make connections to make the world a better place. Got it. So it is the, the going back to what you said earlier, it's the give mentality. And then that give pays tenfold. Yeah. I love it. And, and then I, I have to ask, because you brought it up first, but like, have you taken any of your, uh, your father's uh, uh, preacher elements into your life? Or are you, are you also kind of a, a outspoken, le- like a... You know, preach. Yeah, what I would say what I've learned a lot from my dad is just um, definitely the generosity mindset. You know, like how do you how do you live your life like a Jesus through actions versus just words? And you know, the servant is the servant king mentality. So how do you serve by being a leader? And so I very much I don't like the limelight. It's very rare. This is the second time I've ever been interviewed. I like being behind the scenes and really pushing people to the forefront and supporting them. So I think that's a lot where I, what I've learned from my dad. And then also just like loving people and seeing where they are, like meeting them where they're at, um, no matter what their socioeconomic standpoint Can you say hi? Is. Hey. <laughs> oh, my daughter does it all the time. <laughs> it's also a good segue. Can you actually tell all the listeners about um, your kids or kid? Yeah, I have, I have one daughter. Um, I don't have her full time. She's She'll be... Man, it's crazy. She'll be 12 next month, which is pretty wild to think about. 
um, almost a teenager. She just entered in the sixth grade. This is her first week back to school. Um, she's a delight, super artistic. Her name's Ava um, and super caring. So it's, it's, it's really cool when you see, you know, that caring spirit play out in your kids. And like where I go to her friend's house when they have like little four or five-year-olds, my daughter's like taking care of them all. She like, she loves taking care of her three-year-old uh, cousin. And it's just, it's, it's wild to see, you know, some of your personally personality traits like play out in your kids. So she's 12 years old. And so I'm assuming that's middle school, right? You said? Yeah, she just said this was her first week of sixth grade. So. Oh, wow. So she's going back to the bottom of the totem pole. Is she, uh, is she enjoying it? Is she doing okay with that? You know, it was been really interesting, you know, especially during the pandemic, you know, she's, she stayed home, did virtual classes all year. And this is also the first year she got a cell phone what's been interesting, which was different because I didn't get a cell phone until I was 21. Um, you know, I never had anything. And I, you know, I think there's a lot of pros to have, you know, a child having, you know, a cell phone to be able to communicate, especially because she's not with me all the time. But then I feel like there's a lot of cons yeah. just hearing some of the conversations she has with her friends that are struggling with mental health. You know, they've, t- they've talked about topics like suicide even. And so it's just wow. like, you know, that stuff you can tell, like definitely weighs on her and going into a brand new school uh, or, you know, uh, middle school and uh, with all that drama that happens with, with being that age and especially being a girl um, and with that stuff. So I, I feel for, her. I think she's having a good week thus far, but it, it's a lot, especially nowadays for kids, just all the data, the instantaneous data, I think is just really overwhelming. Yeah. And I think it's so funny because, um, you know, the previous generation will always talk about like how, you know, they had it more like, I don't know what, what is the, what is the, you know, the stereotypes that they say, like, we're like weaker or like, you know, we're, we're so like, um, we, we need like the trophies and like the, you know, and all those things. But, um, it's also really interesting because what we don't really account for that is the psychological impacts of technology and how pervasive it is, especially to the next generation, right? I mean, the access yeah. to everyone's like, in, like data and just livelihood in their, during their formative years is just too much, in, in my opinion. Because, I mean, I remember it's myself in middle school. I mean, I was, a, I was an idiot. Like, I was, like, doing all sorts of dumb things and trying to figure out who I was and, and like, self-identification and what my brand was going to be like. You know, you're really like learning who you yeah. are and then getting all of that documented and getting it cross pollinated across a widespread. Of, I mean, it's just maniacal to even think about like how we even like. Yeah, it's just weird, right? Like, I just can't I can't imagine the pressures. It, it, it is weird. Yeah. Oh, I, I know. I, with social media, like and now that's I mean, some of her friends all do TikTok and all that stuff. And I just I just don't know. <laughs> I just I just pray for yeah. Yeah. Seriously. That's all you can do. And just try to be there for her, right? As yeah. best you can. So are you, yeah. is that what you're doing though? Are you like, um, first off, why didn't you have a phone until you're 21? Cause now I want to know if that was because of economics or is that your parents, your parents guidance, or is that you or like, what was that? No, my parents just, my parents just thought that I didn't need one. You know, I was, this was also like early, earlier on, like with the Nokia phones, I'm 37. Um, yeah. you know, I, ended up going to high school in Brenham, Texas, which is where blue bell ice cream is made. It's a very nice. rural community. And I just like memorized my friend's phone numbers and would just, mm-hmm. we would just find each other. I guess I didn't really like feel like I needed one um, just because I never had one. And then when I mm-hmm. actually went off to college, I finally was like, all right, I need, I need a phone because I'm going to be driving around and I want to talk to my friends and everyone else has a phone. 
So it's more so like I don't really I didn't really press my my parents on it too much until I absolutely like felt like I needed one. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I, I mean, so just for um, um, your knowledge, I'm 40, so we're kind of in the same generation. Yeah, and I will tell you that when that first phone cell phone came out, it was so cool but so big. Do you remember how big those things were? Oh those yeah, things were gnarly. It wasn't even like functional to even have one because you had to like like carry. It was so heavy, so heavy, and like it wasn't even that great to have because you're just like, where am I going to store this sucker? I um, know they did, it's crazy. Yeah, it is crazy to think about, and then just how how much you can do now with uh, your device, and and now I can't live without it. But um, I know. so that's good. So then your parents didn't think you needed it, but you also didn't think you needed it. I didn't think I needed it. No, I was just too busy. You know, uh, I went to University of Texas here in Austin, and I just would roam around campus and just stumble upon friends. And I, you know, I'm, I'm a very much a curious person, and uh, you know, I, I love traveling. And so I guess it just because I didn't have the phone, it caused me to have to just like explore and find things. And it just, yeah, I just never really thought about that I needed a phone. I, yeah. Now looking back, I'm like, how did I? I don't know how I survived without a phone. <laughs> yeah, no, I know we're like so attached to it now. But but Weston, so if that's the case, w- w- why did you get your a daughter a phone? That's the million well, dollar I question think, here now, right? Because yeah, yeah, you're just talking I, about I all think, the negatives to it. Well, because you know we split time between her mom and me. Like I think it's good just that she has the ease, you know, ease of access to like contact her her mom whenever she wants to. Also, be able to chat with her friends and. She's an artist and does a lot of digital art. So she uses her phone for that. She uses an iPad. And so it gives her the ability to like express herself. But we'll see. We'll see how it goes. We just started with this. And uh, we'll see how her being back in school, if the phone is still a necessary device or not. Got it. So it was a functional decision. And then we're going to like kind of look and see how it, per, uh, yeah. how it um, persists or doesn't. That's great. Yep. Um, and so when you think about parenting, um, what do you think about uh, as, as a successful parent? Well, how do you qualify parenting for yourself? Yeah, I guess for me, you know, I, I learned a lot from my parents and just how much uh, they expressed, you know, unconditional love t- towards me and uh, just having patience and just giving us opportunities. I was very fortunate, even though we did not grow up in a very affluent family my parents were always adamant about supporting on whatever passions I had. And so, you know, when I was 14 years old, I had an opportunity to go to Venezuela. Of course, this is before wow. all the craziness happened so down cool. there. And my, yeah, but see also like my parents met in a traveling music group and traveled all around the world. And so they had that uh, same spirit of like connecting with different people, groups and cultures and so when they saw that uh, spirit inside me too, like they always were super supportive. So I think being a successful parent is, you know, and this is a big thing that I've learned even as my daughter's gotten older is, you know, showing, you know, patience, showing love and uh, doing your best to really listen and seeing what they are passionate about or what they're struggling with and seeing what best ways you can do to support them in that that's awesome like your parents sound like they they were able to identify that very quickly in you and what a cool story about your parents traveling the country being musicians so you kind of grew up in a very very free-spirited kind of artistic family yeah no my whole family i joke because everyone in my family sings or plays a musical instrument except oh, no. and so <laughs> yeah. but i you know i always i always loved it i've always surrounded myself with creatives um with travelers and because we moved around the united states so much i got exposed to so many different cultures and people that had 
you know, relocated to the U.S. and then from an early age been traveling internationally. So uh, and my parents supporting me in that has always been a uh, I've been very fortunate. Yeah, that's amazing. And so you're parlaying that into your kid and allowing her to, like, basically explore these arts. And that's one of the reasons why you gave her the phone and the device mm-hmm. to also get stay in touch, yeah. but also start exploring this creativity, uh, creativity and creative side. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. And what, what kids can do now with phone, I mean, I even remember when she was like two or three and she would take my phone and the stuff she could figure out just yeah. naturally was just unbelievable. Now she has an iPad and uses Procreate and the stuff she can do with that technology so cool. is like yeah. so amazing, like mind blowing. Like I've, I've shown other friends and they're like, I can't even do that. And I do this for a living. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. I feel like the same way with um, music too, like all the the, the apps inside of these uh, things that like create music, not just art, but also music. There's like, when you grow up with it at a young age, I just feel like you like just digest yeah. it so much faster. Right. And so you're like, it's like, um, oh, it's yeah. like part of, part of like just your, your nurture, right. You're just like in it. So you just like master it so yep. quickly. And so it makes me very jealous. Cause I'm, I'm a musician. Or I, I think I'm a musician anyways. <laughs> um, and so, um, I definitely like see these kids like, producing things on youtube and it's just like how are that how is that possible it's so cool so cool oh yeah no it's wild i mean the tech the tech is just light years ahead i mean even with like video editing capabilities seeing these kids like yeah you know edit videos we're like back in the day like it was impossible to do that <laughs> so if you're if your kid wants to go and do art for a living um what does that look like? Are you, are you happy with that? Or do you want her to kind of follow in your footsteps and be more of a connector and kind of a, no, I think she's going to be an artist. Um, she's, she's very clearly has the talent and aptitude for it. And, um, but really like I'm going to support her in whatever she wants to do. So if it's like completely different and she wants to become a nurse or become a teacher or run for president, I'm going to support her in ever which way I can. I love it. Has there been yeah. any kind of like um, um, guidance in this uh, discussion of like uh, what you want to do? And have you like kind of prodded her in any direction or has it been mostly open-ended? Yeah. Most of the time I just like, you know, ask her like, Hey, what would you want to do um, now? And, you know, just see where she's at. But I, I think she's leaning towards art right now. And, you know, especially during the pandemic, she went really heavy into it. And that was Makes one sense. way, like a, a huge outlet for her. I yeah. think to keep her, uh, keep her well balanced. Totally. Think about the therapy that comes in that. Yeah. Creating things when you're, when you're all stressed out and locked in. What, yeah. what does she think about what you do? Does she, can she, what does she, what does she think you do actually? That's probably a better question to start with. I'm sure she still like, doesn't quite grasp what I do. I mean, cause my family still doesn't quite grasp what I do. Usually I always get asked like, so what is it again? Um, yeah. You know, they probably understand certain aspects of it, you know, TV, TV and film production, um, that's a little bit more easy to understand. But, you know, I kind of do sales, but I really don't do sales because mm-hmm. I'm not a sales guy. Um, and so, you know, she's been able to hear a lot, overhear a lot of my conversations, right. which I think has been very interesting for her. Um, and so it's, it's fun to see her, you know, kind of listen in and, and kind of see where things go with what I'm doing with my job. Yeah. That's awesome. But you don't think that um, she fully gets it? Probably not. No, I mean, if, if my if my parents and, you know, they're very intelligent folks that they can understand it. Uh, you know, I think I think what my daughter thinks I do is that I'm involved in television and film. Yeah, so I think that's kind of the direction she goes towards. And, and she is right with that. I think totally. the connecting stuff in uh, like more of the tech and investment space is a little bit um, overhead right now. 
Have you ever parlayed your skills in connecting on um, personal relationships? Have you ever done that? Like I have. You have. I have. Yeah. So I've started. Uh, uh, there's two married couples right now. One has three kids. One has just had their first. And then uh, there's another couple that I introduced during the pandemic. And uh, they're going pretty strong right now. So I have done some matchmaking within the relationship space as well. Wow. So the skill set can be transferable to a lot of different areas. Yeah. Yeah, That's wild. Any big (laughs) projects you're working on right now? Yeah, there's a couple of interesting ones. One, uh, the fun one that I'm really interested in, there's not really necessarily any like monetary gain out of this um, for now, but there's a race team that's developing the first American British hypercar using a net zero hydrogen cell. Um, and so that one is really interesting. And then uh, another one is a VR uh, media project around uh, Black Wall Street. So the burning of, of Tulsa and how do we capture some of the stories from the past, present, and then uh, cast a vision forward for African-American entrepreneurs. Wow. Those are yeah. really, really cool projects. Yeah. They're kind of on the opposite spectrum, but very cool yeah. nonetheless. Yeah. <laughs> That's really great. And then so I get bored easily, so I gotta keep it diverse. Well, it sounds like it because you're basically yeah. taking a core tenant of like being a people person and loving to connect, and then you're you use you're you're creating different vehicles to exercise that 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 passion of yours, right? Oh, yeah. I'm sure you can spill it into multiple things. It sounds like you even found a fourth. I mean, matchmaking might be the fourth avenue that you parlay that into. That one's just fun. You know, it's fun, especially like the, I just remember the first couple, I was actually still in college and these two uh, kids were both 18, just graduating high school. And the one guy was my friend's uh, younger brother. And he comes over to me. He's like, Weston, can you introduce me to that girl that came with your group? And I was like, yeah. And then here, years later, they're they're together. And yeah. the next couple was my cousin and one of my good friends. Yeah. And so I was able to connect them. So I, I love doing it. I don't want to profit off that. I'd rather just do it to put put good out in the universe. Yeah, and I think that's a that's a really cool thing because I don't actually know um, if it's something that you can actually teach. But it sounds like you had a mentor that kind of walked you through how to do this. But the idea behind it is is that it's um, it's it's basically figuring out the right need, right? It's like being able to intuit not only the tactical stuff, but the nuances that go kind of in between the gray, so to speak. Because there's like these, oh, yeah. you're, like, you're listening for not only what their actual problem is, but how they're articulating the problem, the the velocity of the problem, the importance and urgency of, like you're, you're computing a lot of different things, right? To do this well, I'm assuming, right? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm taking in a lot of different stuff and, you know, um... It took a lot of practice too. You know, you start, especially when I was younger, you know, I would just jump at it and start doing intros. And now as I've gotten older and, you know, maybe a little bit wiser, um, just really leaning into the listening portion. And, and that's the big thing. I Not many people listen nowadays. People like mm-hmm. to talk. And so I've really tried to practice. And a lot of that too came, I lived in the Dominican Republic for a year, right out of college. And my Spanish wasn't the greatest. So I just always had to sit and just listen and then practice. And, uh, you know, over the years have just really tried to hone in on being a good listener. And so now that kind of leans leans me to the question around how do you quantify success in your business and in your life? And I'm assuming that's one of those things. Yeah, I would say, you know, for me, uh, my kind of my purpose statement is to connect people 
the, the full one is to connect people for the service of God, good, and all that is beautiful. So really, my idea of success is making strong connections and seeing, you know, things happen out of it. So, you know, if a marriage and a family is born out of it, like that's a huge win for me. You know, I've heard some folks get like funding for their documentary or for their startup because I made an introduction like that stuff. Like I just love hearing. So sometimes when I'm uh, I do have like a Google Doc where like I'll write down some of those non-monetary transaction wins just to remind me like, yeah, what I'm doing is like living out my purpose and uh, just that it's like a helpful reminder for me. Oh, man, that's deep. So your personal KPIs are more around your intention of like connecting and providing value and money is the secondary, secondary thing. So it goes back to the first thing you said on the podcast, which is just abundance mindset, right? Like, I'm sorry, generosity and then abundance. Yeah. That's so fascinating. It must've taken a while to figure that out. I can't imagine like, um, um, the, the professional journey you've taken to get to this point where you knew that that's what you wanted to do. I mean, yeah. And I I always. Yeah. And I always thought, you know, money was never like a big thing. Cause you know, it was funny cause my parents asked me, Weston, what do you want to do when you grow up? And then I was like five years old and I was like, I want to be a missionary. And they're like, why? Cause I was like, I want a pet monkey. <laughs> cause I had yeah. someone that had come from Africa and had a pet monkey. So like my, uh, the things that I look for, uh, that I'm most interested in other than money is more like experiences, more like, you know, living a life worth uh, talking about or writing about. So like uh, Hemingway is my favorite author. And, you know, I love his stories of just like adventure and just sitting with interesting people and, you know, meeting folks like AJ Leon from uh, Misfit who like quit his job on Wall Street the day of his promotion and lived on the streets of New York. And then now since built this global organization to give back to the world, like those people in my life have been truly inspiring to realize that. and also having friends that have lots of money and are really unhappy kind of like I was, I was fortunate enough to like have it click early to know like money is not the thing you should be pointing your ship towards. It should be something yeah. completely else. That's amazing. I, I'm like learning those components of it and mostly around like the time aspect. Right. And I know we, I know we haven't really yeah. um, gotten into each other's backgrounds, but like I started a consulting business mostly because I wanted to better control my time to basically figure this out for myself, right? What place does money have in my ecosystem of things yep. that I want in my life? And I think you're hitting it, you're hitting it on the head, right? Because I think a lot of people don't figure this out until they're later in life. And um, yeah, and like, I know I'm yeah. 40 years old and I feel like I'm restarting a new career and kind of rebuilding from ground zero, but designing in a way that incorporates more facets um, that I want to incorporate. I'm not saying money is not important to me. I think it's definitely more important to me. It's nice. It's let me tell you, I like money, but I try not to make it be like the number one. <laughs> that's exactly, yeah. that's exactly better. Yeah. That's a better articulation <laughs> of what I'm trying to say too. I think it's just like, I do like it. I just think that it needs to sit in a, in a more reasonable place than society has placed it, you know? Um, and definitely like the way I grew up, right? Like, in, in Silicon Valley, like it just sits so much higher than it needs to. And um, I love that you're talking about it like that. And it's really great that you were able to have those epiphanies and, and kind of uncover that very quickly. How are you teaching your kid that? I think as much through uh, this example, you know, the, the coolest thing about my daughter is her uh, spirit of generosity. So if she ever sees someone um, like a kid 
sad or upset, like she wants to give them her toys. Um, you know, we've driven around Austin and she's seen, you know, folks on the streets, you know, without homes and she went home and she wanted to make care kits with the shampoo and soap, um, for, for us to pass out to the homeless. So like, you know, trying to, um, not only say things that we should do in this world, but also like live them out. So let her be a part of that to understand like how, um, how we should be giving back is uh, r- really important to how I want to raise her. That's amazing. I love it. That's really, really great. Sounds like you're raising yeah. a really great human being. I um, need to definitely take some pages from your book because I am I'm just like the complete pushover dad that, you know, like my girls literally just walk all over. Me. My, dude, my daughter, uh, my daughter definitely, she, she, she likes to get her way. Uh, she's, she's a master, uh, master manipulator, let's just say, <laughs> but she's so sweet. She's yeah. literally like the sweetest girl. That's awesome, man. Yeah. I think it's mostly like, I think maybe you're the same as me, but I think the reason why my girls are master manipulators is because they're master manipulators of me. Like they don't get away with it with my, my wife, you know, like it's just with me. They know they can get away with whatever. Like they know exactly what to do when to give me the doe eyes, when to cry. And I'm just like, yep, let's do it. You know? Yeah, man. No, especially when my daughter was younger too. And she was just, uh, oh man, she had these little cheeks and she would just look up at me and give me the puppy dog face. Like, I would give in to whatever she asked of me. <laughs> That's yeah. right. That's right. There you go. Hey, Weston. So I do want to make sure that I ask you um, some rapid fire yeah. questions that I want to ask every single guest. So I do want to um, jump into that right now, if you Perfect. don't mind. Um, I did. I did increase it. So in, you know, I have five now. So just so you know, so there's gonna be one that you haven't heard uh, that you didn't um, hear before. Perfect. But here we go. You ready? I'm ready. What advice do you have for other parents and soon to be parents? I would say uh, be flexible. Um, and, you know, give yourself a break, you know, especially with a lot of my friends, um, that that just got newborns, they've either adopted newborns or just given birth to newborns. A lot of them like have a lot of pent up stress. Like how do I change a diaper or anything like that? You know, I was a, a, a single dad. So whenever I had, my daughter was born, I had to learn how to change a diaper by myself. And so what, what I tell uh, new parents is, you know, give yourself a break, know that like you're going to do okay. If I can do it, you know, you can do it. <laughs> we should make an ad for that and like, just get it out there with your face on it. If yeah. this guy can do it, you can do it. <laughs> I'm like, you guys, you guys can definitely do this. You're, you're over. A lot of people overthink it, but I understand it's a very scary thing when you first, when you have a, a fragile little newborn in your hands, but you'll be okay. It's very sage advice. I completely agree with it. I, I totally know what you mean. I, I remember like coming home with my kid and just going like, that's it. Like you don't need to double check anything. <laughs> yeah. So let's go to the second one. So, if you can go back and tell yourself one thing before having kids, what would you tell yourself? I would say, you know, I had to learn about a lot of things are out of your control. Mm-hmm. Like the idea of like, and I think actually, especially for men, like we want to control things, mm-hmm. and to know when you have another human being that you're responsible for that sometimes doesn't listen to you. And I wish I would have like worked on that more, you know, when I was younger, but you know, I also had my daughter when she was, when I was 25. And so it was, it was, it was a surprise. I wasn't expecting to be a dad. So like, I would just say uh, to my younger self, like one, be like, everything's going to be okay. (laughs) You'll get through this. And then two, just like 
stop trying to control this. Stop trying to control things that are out of your, out of your hands. Wow. I didn't, I didn't realize that. Um, yeah. yeah, that was the, that was the origin story. Do you mind sharing a little bit about that? Yeah, basically, you know, I had just moved back from the Dominican Republic and, uh, you know, started, uh, hanging out with my daughter's mom. And then, um, about a month later I found out I was a dad. And so it was wow. a very, uh, very surprising moment. Um, it's one of those things where is the scariest moment in my life. And, but it was, I would not be where I am today if that never happened. My trajectory was probably going to be, I was probably going to be working in DC as a lobbyist, right? T you know, today and probably uh -huh. not liking my life, but because I had a child, it really forced me to think not only about um, her, but like what kind of life do I actually want to create for her? At a so really young age. Real, at a really young age. Yeah. When no one else in my friends had, you know, had kids, you know, most of my friends were out, you know, living their early twenties, you know, lives. And, you know, I was starting to be responsible for a little one. So it really forced me. Um, it's bit, I don't know if you ever watched uh, catch me if you can with uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, Yeah. but there's a scene with, uh, I forget who plays his dad, but, uh, his dad talks about when a mouse falls into like a glass of milk and it's trying to get out, eventually it will get out cause it'll turn it into butter and it'll get out. Like, that's what I felt like my career path, it seems all over the place, but it was literally me trying to find a pathway to create a sustainable life to not only be a dad, but also like have a career and also do something that I felt was purposeful in my life. And if I didn't have that scenario, I would not have, I would not be living a life that I truly believe is like my best life right now. Podcast over. I'm uh, no more interviews after that. That was amazing. <laughs> yeah. What else do I need to interview after that? That was, that was amazing. That was beautiful. That was unbelievably beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. My pleasure. What is the most surprising thing that you learned about yourself uh, becoming a parent? I don't know about you, but I know I never really cried until I had my daughter. That was a very surprising thing. So now like anytime I think about it, like I might start crying yeah. right now, it just makes you more like, emotional especially i think being a girl dad you know i want the best for her and she's you know such a, a powerful responsibility to be looking yeah. after her and it definitely softened me yeah. in a lot of ways and it really changed me as a human being a dad especially to a girl yeah i know i just I had a moment where I'm like, um, like, I'm like, why are you putting me on the spot? You know what I mean? And you're like, I don't know about you, but I'm like, yeah, me too, man. We should just yeah. start crying on this podcast just together, just like girl dadding it up. No, I, I completely agree. Like, you know what gets me the most? This is so stupid. And I've never really told anyone but my wife about this, but there'll be moments where I'm like watching them play or I'm holding them or whatever that may be. And then I just imagine them like inevitably like getting married and leaving me. Right. And then I just start like, yeah. I just start crying. I just start crying, like thinking about it. It's a very specific like scenario, yeah. but I can't stop it. It's just like the worst. But um, yeah, I definitely got to, I, I, I agree with you. I, I will openly admit and be transparent with the listeners that yes, I am also a lot more uh, emotional and I do cry a lot more. <laughs> That's really fun. I also want to know, it sounds like you do a lot of reading, but I'd love to know what your favorite business book is. So, um, you know, the thing that's really inspired me to do what I do today is uh, A Sun Also Rises by Ernest Hemingway. It's not a business book, 
but it was a book about someone going off on an adventure of uh, self-discovery and just like living life, even in the simple moments of like sitting in a cafe. And that book truly um, inspired me. I read it in junior year in high school and I carried it with me when I backpacked Europe when I was in college. And that literally set me off on a trajectory to want to live a life worth that, that wasn't boring. Um, I would say more oh, business cool. style book would probably be Keith Ferrazzi's Never Eat Alone. I think um, I resonate with a lot of the stuff that he writes about. And I think every if everyone lived like some of the points that he puts out, like I think the world would be a better place. Wow. That's great, man. I like love this story because like it's in some ways, and if you don't mind me saying this, right, because it might come off a little bit um, um, harsh, but in some ways having a kid tied you down. You were kind of like this floater, like just kind of like letting the wind take you like almost Jack Kerouac, right? You're just like off into the, into the world, like, you know, in South America and then maybe DC, I don't know, I'll just go wherever and just kind of explore. And then, you had this um, unplanned circumstance of having this kid that basically forced you to either make a decision of choosing your path that you were going or rooting yourself. And it sounds like you chose rooting yourself and that, that forced a lot of things that you probably weren't thinking about, but it sounds like if you don't mind me kind of like psychoanalyzing you a little bit, (laughs) it sounds like you took that creative mind and you created it within the constraint of the locale. hundred percent. No, I mean, literally like the reason why I haven't left Austin in 17 years was because of my daughter wanting to be close by and be a part of her life. And what's crazy is I probably travel more now than if I didn't have Ava. So like, that's the crazy thing. Like, I think because I had that constraint and it definitely crushed my soul. I'm not going to lie. Like it was not easy thinking because I thought I was going to go either, yeah, either DC or go travel the world. And, um, because of that constraint, it made me think very creative, you know, creatively. And I mean, I would not be a connector if I, uh, hadn't had my kid. I can't wait to tell her this when she's older, that, um, you have her to thank for, uh, your success and your new career and your life passion. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, okay. So this is the, um, this is the last question I have for you. So what does Weston do when he's not being a super dad, super girl dad, and an awesome connector in the world? (laughs) You know, I love, so money might not be like the number one thing that I um, uh, look for entertainment, but I love, like, I'm kind of bougie in some areas, like food. I love good food. Um, when nice. I travel, you know, I like, you know, like staying at nice places. Yeah. Um, usually if you, if, you know, if I don't have my kid, if I'm not working, you'll find me a lot in the Dominican Republic is still like my second home. So I spend a lot of time down there um, just on the Northern coast. And just watching movies, man. I, I can watch. I'm obsessed with movies. And so nice. it's fun now actually like being such a huge cinephile to now like being a small piece of the pie of the movie industry is fun. Awesome. Yeah. So a little travel, a little good food, uh, a little bouginess, and uh, and some movies. Yeah. That's great, man. It sounds like you got a, um, a really good outlet as well. That's great, man. You got a lot of stuff Love figured it. out. It's great. Yeah. Weston, well, thank you so much for taking the time to join me on the podcast today. I had a ton of fun having you here, and I really appreciate you um, sharing so many of your stories with us. Well, it's such a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Hopefully, we can get together and get the girls together. I love for I love. Yeah, I know. Yeah, definitely, man. Let's do it. Sounds good, brother. I'll talk to you soon. (laughs) All right, bye.
Thanks for tuning in to another episode of The Girl Dad Show. We really hope you enjoyed that interview. And as always, please take a moment to review, rate, and subscribe. We'll see you next time.